Good morning. Pastor Mark texted me this morning, and I, we were joking around back and forth. Well, we were serious, but I joke because you guys can see I'm a kidder. And uh, one of my jokes to him was, don't worry, I'll make sure I use my outside voice today. So, uh, and I don't need the microphone to do that. Um, I'm really glad to be here today. Uh, I just wanted to add a note to everybody. There's a lot going on in Haiti right now with their recent earthquake. Um, Foursquare has a disaster relief fund set up, and also with what's going on in Tennessee with the hurricane that's coming, or already there, I'm not certain, got to look the news. Um, if you guys would like to give to that, there's a link that I could send you. You could also just do a regular offering, and you could label it as donation, or you can do it online as a donation, online as a donation. So um, keep, keep those people in prayer right now because, man, they're going through it. You know, uh, I don't even, I can't even imagine the impact or the fear that was created in the lives of those in Haiti a few years ago when they had that massive earthquake. Um, you know, I remember growing up, I didn't live too far. I lived near the Los Angeles airport when the Northridge earthquake struck, and it was 45 seconds of our building shaking up and down, and I thought the place was going to come down. I was 13 years old, and I went into my dad's room and said, can I sleep in here? That's how intense and scary it was. And so I can't even imagine what these people are going through with the, with the lives lost, the buildings that came down, and now dealing with another earthquake. So let's keep them in prayer. All right, we're talking about, I failed God again. I failed God again. Last week we talked about shame and guilt. Shame and guilt. I talked about how we talked about how shame and guilt can be such a heavy burden on your soul, on your shoulders, in your daily life from the time you wake up to the time you get to work or to the time you get to coffee with your significant other or with your significant pet. Whatever it is, shame and guilt in your life from a life well lived or a life not so well lived can become so overbearing and heavy and the reason that we read this verse, Romans 8, 1 through 4, is that we're talking about there's, no, there's therefore now no condemnation. Actually, it starts, so therefore, where there's a there, there's a for, a reason of. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And I had that verse read last week by Dan, and I had that verse read this week. Because this week, I'm going to take that verse, and we're going to move backwards from it. And we're going to take it into context of why that verse was written and what Paul was talking about. And what we talked about last week was we talked about David. And we talked about Peter. And then I mentioned Paul. And we talked about how these men of God, David, a man after God's own heart, the, the man that God made to be king, the man that Pastor Mark has been talking about in the I Am David series, do not miss that next week. In the I Am David series, Pastor Mark talked about here was David, he was the, like the run of the litter. He wasn't even picked by his father when they were coming to look for a king. You know, when, when Samuel showed up to Jesse's house and said, bring me your sons, he only brought him eight sons. He didn't even bring out David. He treated him like a redheaded stepchild, but probably because David was a younger boy. You know, if I, and, I, I, and I've analyzed this for myself. If I was a 50-year-old man and I had seven or eight 20 to 30-year-old men grown sons and somebody came and said, the Lord wants to anoint one of your sons to become king. I'm not going to bring my 12-year-old boy out or my 15-year-old son. I would bring out the older men. 
But that was the context of it was that it was any one of them. And then after Samuel had walked by them all, he said, no, you have another son. And then David was picked. And so David, who, who went to war for God, and David who saw God's miracles happening in his life, David who spent some time with Samuel, David who spent this time, when David went up against the, the army of the Philistines and said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that defies the armies of the living God? And David kills Goliath and cuts off his head, and he fought lions and bears, and the Lord was with him. And we read it in the Psalms, and we understand this life that David lived. And then we talked about how when David went to war, or when David didn't go to war for the first time, he found himself caught up in a horrible sin. Lust of the flesh, death, murder. Their firstborn child dies. David was caught up in a feeling of, I've failed you, God. How do you think David felt? I, I'm really big on, when I study the Bible, I'm very big on empathy. It was a really weird word. It was taught to me when I was in sixth grade. I had a teacher in, oh, I'm sorry, it was seventh grade, and my teacher was Mr. Romans. He just recently retired, he even taught my son back when we were still down south. And he gave you a word at the beginning of the school year, and he said, I want you to remember this word. I'm going to say it one time, and I'm going to give you the definition. And at the end of the year, I'm going to ask everybody, and ask them about that one word, what it was and what it means. And he said, empathy, to put yourself in the shoes of someone else. Basically, entirely, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, putting yourself in the shoes of another human being. So I pondered on that word all year, and I really have lived my life a lot that way, where I try to always practice empathy when I listen to whatever I'm learning. So I'm trying to have empathy when I think about this feeling that David was going through. He's just committed adultery. He's trying to hide his sin. He's, he, he, he has Uriah murdered. How do you think David felt when he says, oh, God, I failed. I've let God down. Probably felt like he was no good for any more good deeds or work. Isn't that the way that we feel when we feel like we let God down? And that shame and that guilt is so heavy. You're like, I'm done. God's done with me. I'll be lucky if I make it into heaven. That song, Skip, Your Grace Finds Me. Your grace finds me. Because outside of the shame and the guilt, these are the things the enemy wants to throw at you. The enemy wants to make you feel shame. The enemy makes, wants to make you feel shamed. The enemy wants to make you feel guilty about every decision you've ever made in your life. And the enemy wants to cripple you and immobilize you. And we are going to take that power back from him. And we're going to look today at how Paul did this. We're going to look at what was going on through empathy in the mind of Paul. If you're not familiar with Paul, I believe most people here have read some scripture. Paul wrote, I mean, more than half of the books of the New Testament. The New Testament is made up of the book of Gospels. That would be Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and the book of Acts. And Paul's included in there. And the next so many books are all the letters of Paul. God eats popcorn. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. That's the way I was taught to remember that. God eats popcorn. You can remember the order. First and second Corinthians, you know, so Paul wrote all these books, and then the other books after that are small letters from other authors, and then prophetic revelation in the book of Revelation. So we're going to look at Paul, another person who's probably felt like, I've failed God, because you're going to hear it in his voice today in a way that's going to shock you. So we, we dug into the big offenders of shame and guilt last week. Fear, sin, and condemnation, they just wear so heavy on our soul. And the law itself leads to shame and guilt. Paul talked about this. 
Paul said that the law was not put in place to help him obey it. The law was put into place to show him how sinful he was because he couldn't obey it. So on the scripture reading, we wrote Romans 8, 1 through 4. So, but let's take a deeper look at what Paul, the author, is trying to convey here. Go ahead and go to the first slide for me, Mike. Letting God down freedom in the spirit. Freedom from shame and guilt. Freedom from fear. Freedom from sin. Freedom from condemnation. Freedom from that feeling of a life not well lived. Because that's how a lot of us live our lives. We feel like, oh, I just don't. Whatever expectation you could set for yourself, as soon as you bring God into the picture of how can I serve God, all of a sudden you've raised the bar to a point that you don't feel that you will ever meet the expectation. And God's only expectation right now is that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe that he raised Jesus from the dead, you'll be saved. And then Jesus, and then what was Jesus' last command to the disciples? He didn't say, hey, I want you to go out and make sure everybody knows how to follow these Ten Commandments. Hey, I want you to go and do this. Hey, this is what I want you to do. No, he said, go and tell everyone about me. Because the whole theme of the Bible from beginning to end points to Jesus, the only salvation and Savior and the only way to make it a life well lived, freedom through the Spirit. That's what Jesus came to give you. Freedom from fear, sin, condemnation, shame, guilt, freedom from all of that. So let's take a look at what Paul said in Romans. We're going to back up to Romans 7.14. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. What, when I look at the empathy, what am I feeling in my soul when I say I feel like I'm sold? Sold to slave as a sin, or sold as, to sin as a slave. What does that feel like? What is going on in my life of the I've failed, God? I'm not good enough, God. I'm not worthy, God. I'm not, I'm not what you want me to be. Let's look deeper what he says. I do not understand what I do. You ever feel that way? I don't get it. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, I, it is no longer I myself who do it. But it is sin living within me. And sin first entered the world all the way back in Genesis with the fall of man. So he says, for I know that, no, that good itself does not dwell in me. Do you ever feel like you just want to do good? You just want to be a good person. You know, that's that old way of faith and salvation. You, ask, you go out and ask people who don't know Jesus Christ, how do you, what's the best way to get to God? Oh, I've been a good person my whole life. I paid my bills. I took care of my family. I took care of my grandchildren. I did this. I did that. I paid my bills. I was honest. I, I paid for that water that was under the thing. Oh, so you're a great person. Okay, got it. There's so many ways that people try to measure up for themselves what it takes to make it to heaven. So what Paul says here, Paul a guy who was serving and out preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, says, for I know that good itself does not dwell in me. That is in my sinful nature. That desire that he has deep inside desires to do things that he doesn't want to do. It is a natural occurring effect within each and every one of us. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do 
this I keep on doing. How frustrating is it in our daily lives when we feel that we're living that way? Because we are all feeling and living this way. We all understand this burden that Paul is writing about here because we have all experienced it in some way, shape, form, or another in the last so many years of our life. Whether you were coming to church, whether you were not coming to church, whether you were a good or bad person at work, we all feel and experience this on a daily basis. Now if I do not want to do what I, now if I do not, now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin that living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, the desire to do good is there. Evil is right there with me. For in my inner being I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work within me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man that I am. It's 2021. You replace the word wretched with whatever word you really think he was trying to use there because that's the word he was trying to use there. What a wretched man that I am. Exclamation point. I'm big on exclamation points, so I see the passion there. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. In, cap in another exclamation point. So then I find myself... I find, I, I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in my simple nature a slave to the law of sin. Therefore, Romans 8, 1, 4. Therefore, with all this stuff that I recognize that is going on with inside of me, I feel like I let God down all the time. I feel that evil is right there with me. I feel that everything that I want to do to serve God's will and purpose that I don't end up doing, and everything that I tell myself I should not be doing, sinful acts, conscious or, sub, conscious or unconscious, I keep doing these things. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, to set me free from all that stuff he's talking about, it was weakened by sin and death. It was weakened by the flesh. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. How are you living your life daily? Are you living your life in the flesh, or are you living your life in the spirit? Because when you live the spirit-filled life, I'm letting you know right now, you will sin less. You will not be sin-free. But when you realize that when you stop trying to focus on what you're trying to do to be good, and you start focusing right up there, and you put this on your mind, and you put praise on your mouth, and you live in the spirit daily, knowing that there's no condemnation, and you let go of the shame, and you let go of the guilt, and you let go of the fear, and you let go of the condemnation, you will sin less. Do you think Paul was identifying what was going on in his heart and mind when he wrote that book to the Romans? Well, let's take a look. Can you put the uh, timeline up for me, Mike? Let's take a look. You're going to say to yourself, well, Paul wrote this book because I understand all these things, but maybe he was a new Christian. Well, let's take a look at that theory. Yes, sir. Uh, NIV. Yes, sir. I read from the NIV, NLT, and sometimes the New King James. <laughs> 
it just depends. So let's take a look at what Paul's going on in Paul's life. Because he, here he is saying all these things, and you're thinking, well, maybe he was a new Christian. Maybe this has been my justification versus for sin my whole life. Let's take a look here. In 33 to 36 AD, Paul's converted to Christianity. Before that time, he was persecuting, persecuting Christians, including Stephen. Paul was out persecuting Christians, and Paul on the road to Damascus is blinded by a light. Put yourself in this man's shoes. Do you think he truly experienced this light? Because I know that we sit here and we go, maybe that was a fairy tale. Maybe somebody just wrote this stuff. Maybe they kept, wrote this stuff to keep people in line. There is nothing more historically accurate and documented, well-documented in the history of the earth than the Old and the New Testament. Nothing more well-documented than these scriptures. And they've been passed down by generations. So let's take a look at what Paul experienced. He's blinded by the light. Boom. Jesus, is per why are you persecuting me? I'm Jesus. Okay? Here you go. For 12 years after that, Paul teaches in Tar Tarsus and the surrounding region. After having a living experience with the living God on the road to Damascus. Has anybody here been blinded by a light, fallen off your camel, got up, went to a town, listened to some weird voice talking to you through the sky, and then you got to this town and these things fell off your eyes and you were filled with the Holy Spirit? Has this happened to anybody? Maybe, maybe not. Boom, I love it. Thank you, Kelly. Now, listen. So picture this. So now for 12 years on top of that, he's teaching. And then for uh, 44 to 46, Paul's invited by Barnabas to teach in Antioch. Then Paul makes his first missionary journey. A few years after that, he makes his second missionary journey. A few years after that, he begins his third missionary journey. And then in 55 to 57, he travels through Greece and writes the letters to the Romans. So you're looking at over 20 years after his conversion experience, he says everything that you feel and you go through on a daily basis. He's not a new Christian when he was writing, everything I want to do, I don't do. Everything I don't want to do, I do it. He wasn't there. So now that we have a context timeline on that, we're going to look at some ways to let go of this shame and the guilt that we talked about last week. And the first thing that we need to do is you got to discover the cause of your shame and your guilt. you got to discover this. Because you need to start smashing whatever this is in your life. And you need to start praying this away and speaking over this area and telling yourself that this area of your life is no longer going to bring you shame and guilt. And you need to figure out the what and the why. You need to take a look at your part, whether you are the offended or the offender. You need to look at what's going on in your life that's making you feel shame and guilt, and you need to discover it. I call it discover, uncover, recover from it. That's what I call it. Discover, uncover, because you got to discover what it is, then you got to uncover it and figure it all out, and then you got to recover from it. And then you need to pray for God to reveal this to you as the word instructs us to in Lamentations 3.40. Let us examine our ways and test them and let us return to the Lord. Let us lift up our hearts and our hands to God in heaven and say we have sinned and rebelled against you and, and you have not forgiven. Psalms 139, 23 and 24. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. These are the prayers you need to pray to help you discover the who, what, why, when, where, and whatever it is that is holding you down that is building the shame and this guilt on your life because you need to set yourself free from it and you need to stop living by the flesh of the shame and the guilt and you need to start living in the spirit with freedom. Second thing that you need to do is you need to recover from it. How are you going to recover from this hurt that you've done or that you've caused or that you're experiencing? 
And you're going to feel like Paul did. Oh, I just, I'm just, I just, I just, I failed God too many times. I said I was going to go to church and greet, and I didn't show up two Sundays in a row. I'm never going to go back. <laughs> just show up with a smile. Don't even excuse yourself for why you weren't here. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> just show up. Stop letting shame and guilt keep you outside those doors. You know why most people don't come to church? Shame, guilt, and unbelief. Shame, guilt, and unbelief. So the way that you're going to recover from this sin is you're going to seek God for restoration in that area of your life. You have to seek God to restore that area. You need to pray for God's healing. You remember Pastor Mark talking a, a while back about praying for the Holy Spirit to come on to you? If, you don't, if you're not living with the Holy Spirit, if you feel that you haven't been baptized by the Holy Spirit, we gave an opportunity for people to come up and be prayed over for that. Well, that same prayer that you didn't come up and pray for but you prayed in your seat, it's time you start using that same prayer motion that you had that day and pray for healing in your life, in your heart, and in your mind, and in your soul. You need to pray for yourself for your healing. Our last pastor before we moved here said he was growing a spot on his chest. And uh, Pastor Joel Phillips, he's down in Escondido, ECC. His family's been a multiple generations of pastors down since uh, Amy Simple McPherson's been down in San Diego. That church has been around since 1930 there in Escondido. So anyways, he was growing this spot on his chest, and he said, I said to this spot, stop. He prayed healing over himself, and he said that spot went away. Is this the way that you're praying for yourself, for your healing? Or are you just hoping? Are you speaking to the mountain to move? Or are you waiting for the mountain to move? Or are you hoping for the mountain to move? Or are you speaking it right over the mountain? We need to speak healing and restoration over our lives and over this church and over this city and over Afghanistan and over Haiti and over our family and over our loved ones. Are you speaking life and healing into these areas or are you just hoping? You need to do this. This is the best one. How about you avoid going back to that shame and guilt once you, get, once you get it resolved? How about once you resolve that area of your life, you don't go back to it? Chris, you got a verse for that? I sure do. It's your favorite, Proverbs 26, 11. As a dog returns to its vomit, so fools repeat their folly. God set me free from that, but I decided to go back. I took it back. I did that with cigarettes. I was a cigarette smoker. Prayed for God to... to Relieve me of cigarette smoking, I can't tell you how many years ago. And, I, and I, I, quit, I was a heavy smoker at the time, and I quit smoking instantly. No desire to smoke. Just Wednesday, went to work, I didn't want to smoke. A couple of years went by, I started smoking again. Took it back. Guess how hard it was to quit in the future. God said, I healed you from that once. I'm, it's, you're on your own this time, buddy, but you better rely on me. Now you got to figure it out. You can do it. Speak it over your life. And I did, and I don't smoke. So, what do these things look like in our life, Chris? How do we do these things? Because we're wrapping up on five more minutes. I'm going to become the shorter, knock it out, get you out of here by 11. So Pastor Mark's goal is that we finish on time. I understand sometimes we could be led by the Holy Spirit, and I could go a little long-winded, especially if I see I'm getting a reception from the crowd, and that'll happen. But as far as schedule goes, we'll try to keep on schedule, and I feel that I might close on time. 
Number three in your bullet points, it's a, it's a gimme. It's live in freedom by the Holy Spirit. You have to stop beating yourself up with shame and guilt. When you start living by the Spirit, I said this earlier, I'll repeat it again. When you start living by freedom from the Holy Spirit, you will sin less. And sin includes all those things I talked about. Shame, guilt, fear, condemnation. And you will, you will, you will understand what Paul was saying when he wrote that in Romans 7. Because you'll be like, dang it, God, it's not, it's not, Paul wrote all this stuff, so that's why I'm a sinner and I'm okay with it and I'm going to keep sinning. That's not what Paul wrote. I saw that verse that way the first time I read it. I'm like, dude, that's a get out of sin free card right there in the Bible, New Testament. It says right here, I can just sin. Paul did. That's not what he's saying. He's convicted of his sin, but he lives in the spirit because he knows that therefore now there's no condemnation. So we talked about this in the last one. you got to stay free from the bondage. Stay free from the bondage of shame and guilt and fear and sin and condemnation. Be transformed daily. How do I transform myself daily? I talked about this a while back when I did a three-week series. I gave you six things you could do to transform yourself daily. Daily praise, daily Bible reading, daily worship. Daily meditation. Lots of things that you can do daily that are going to help you live by the Spirit so that you will sin less. And that means the less you sin, the less you're going to be beating yourself up with that condemnation that Paul was experiencing when he wrote it in Romans to the church. You're going to live free from the law because you are free from the law. You're going to live free from the law and stop trying to worry about not breaking the Ten Commandments. When you start living by God's Holy Spirit and you start living in that freedom and you realize that you will never measure up to not breaking the Ten Commandments, you will break the Ten Commandments less. Live free from the law, being led by the Holy Spirit. Do not be led by the law because you're never going to live up to the law. You are never going to live up to the law. You need to live by the Holy Spirit. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And if you're not living without condemnation in your heart because of Christ Jesus, then you're living by the law. And Paul says you're never going to make, you're never going to live up to the law. And I believe Paul because Paul had been beaten, stabbed, arrested, all kinds of things, flogged, put in jail, had a snake bite him that was poisonous. He's done all this stuff. And over a 20-year period, he came to the realization of what I shared with you today in Romans chapter 7. My inside, my outside voice today. Galatians 5.1, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. What is your yoke of slavery? Is it lust? Is your yoke of slavery laziness? Sloth? Overeating? Guilt? Shame? Fear? Drinking, smoking, womanizing, I don't know what your yoke of slavery was. I don't know what you battle. But when you get set free from it like I did with the cigarettes, don't go back to it because it's not easy to kick a second time. These things could destroy you. 2 Corinthians 3, 17 through 18. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Is the Spirit living in you? 
Have you asked him to come inside of you like Pastor Mark talked about a while back? You've been baptized in water. You've publicly made an acknowledgement somewhere that Jesus Christ, that you believe that, that he was crucified and that he was put on a cross and raised from the dead. You publicly stated that and you went under the water. But have you been baptized by the Holy Spirit? Is the Holy Spirit living inside of you right now? Because if he is, you have freedom. And guess what? If you don't have freedom, then you really need to question yourself with that question. And if you feel that you're questioning it, you better pray for him to fill you with the Holy Spirit because he wants to, just like he did with 3,000 people on the day of Pentecost. Galatians 5, 13 through 18, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. So don't sit here and say, I have a get out of sin free card. He's talking about living free from the law. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Do you remember when Jesus said this? Master, what's the, what's the best commandment of them all? What's the greatest commandment of the ball? He said, if you love the Lord your God with all your mind, heart, soul, and strength, and you love your neighbor as yourself, you fulfill the entire law. Because all those ten commandments can't be broken if you're doing those two things. That's the spirit that you need to be focusing on. You need to make God and his spirit the priority in your life. You need to start speaking healing, restoration, and get rid of that shame and that guilt and that burden and whatever is telling you, I'm not making it, God. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, there's something I'm not making. I'm not meeting your expectation, God. Change your expectation. God's expectation from you is to understand what his scriptures say about him and to live free in the spirit. And when you do that, you're going to serve him more wholeheartedly in every area of your life. And you'll be here every Sunday. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed with each other. So I say walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. This is exactly what I'm talking about. For the flesh desires... What is contrary to the spirit. And the spirit, what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. So that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Let's bow our heads. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your timing, Lord, with your word. Lord, I just come up here and trust you, Lord. I try to leave Chris at the door, and I'll let your spirit take over, Lord. I, myself, Lord, up here have heard your spirit today. I, myself, Lord, have convicted myself with what I shared today, Lord. Lord, I pray over my people here, Lord. I pray over us as a whole, Lord, that we are your church. We are your family. We are your children, and we are king's kids. And we need to learn to live by your spirit, Lord. And I pray that you fill us, each and every man, woman, and child in this room with the Holy Spirit, that they be baptized by fire with the Holy Spirit, Lord. That your spirit fills them, Lord, that they do not feel shame. They do not feel guilt. They do not carry this burden. And then when they walk out of here, they walk with their head higher, knowing that you have filled them up, knowing that you are their God, knowing that you have forgiven them, knowing that you love them, and knowing that they have your spirit inside of you and that they can live in freedom, Lord. 
and that they can trust the promises that you've made over the last 4,000 years about what you said about yourself, that you came to this earth, you died on a cross, so that one day we would rise again also and go live with you in paradise, Lord, and we thank you for that. We thank you, Lord, that you love us. We thank you for this time. I thank you for everything that you continue to do with this church, this church family, Lord. I praise, I, pr I put praise over our children's ministry that's coming up. We're going to raise a harvest of children who are going to love Jesus. We're going to raise a harvest of people in here that continue to love and share Jesus. We love you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord.